Hi there, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. Lesson 153. This is the other really long one that relates to defenses that I mentioned to you about. Here it is. In my defenselessness, my safety lies. Doesn't seem that way from everything we've been taught, but it sure is true. You who feel threatened by this changing world, its twists of fortune and its bitter jests, its brief relationships and all the gifts, in quotes, it merely lends to just take away again, attend this lesson well. The world provides no safety. Oh dear. Well, stay tuned. <laughs> it is rooted in attack. In other words, it grows out of our grievances that are absolutely 100% attacks. And all of its gifts, again in quotes, of seeming safety are illusory deceptions. It attacks and then it attacks again. And no peace of mind is possible where danger threatens like this. In all ways and all the time. <laughs> the world gives rise but to defensiveness. For threat brings anger. Anger makes attack seem reasonable, as if it's honestly provoked, after all, somebody else did it, and righteous in the name of self-defense. It's not my fault. Yet is defensiveness a double threat, for it attests to weakness, and it sets up a system of defense that can't work. Now are the weak further undermined, for there is treachery without, and still a greater treachery within. See, the attack is internal. The attack occurs because we're identifying with the ego, non-substantial hallucination. Well, now, of course, the mind is confused, and it does not have any idea where to turn to find escape from these imaginings. The problem is we don't know their imaginings. It is as if we have a circle that's the mind. That's the circle. It's held fast. And then there's another circle binding it. And then another one and another one until escape no longer can be hoped for nor obtained. Attack, defense, defense, attack become the circles of the hours and the days that bind the mind in heavy bands of steel with iron overlaid, returning but to start again. There seems to be no break nor ending in the ever-tightening grip of the imprisonment upon the mind. Okay, here we've got that high drama again. That certainly is it. It's definitely trying to get our attention. Has it succeeded? <laughs> I hope so. Defenses are the costliest of all the prices the ego would exact. In them lies madness in a form so grim that hope of sanity seems just to be an idle dream beyond the possible. The sense of threat that the world encourages is so much deeper, so far beyond the frenzy and intensity of which you can even conceive that you have no idea at all of the devastation that has been wrought. The outer is the equivalent of what we do to ourselves internally. It continues, you're just its slave, this sense of threat. We are the slave to this sense of threat. You don't know what you do in fear of it. 
You do not understand how much you have been made to sacrifice when you feel this iron grip, the iron grip of this sense of threat upon your heart. You have no idea what you have done to sabotage the holy peace of God by your defensiveness. And the reason is you behold the Son of God. Creation, yourself, is just nothing but a victim that's being attacked by fantasies, by dreams, and by the illusions that we've made. And yet we seem helpless in their presence. And now we've got to have even more defenses, more fantasies, and more dreams by which more illusions of the safety might comfort us. Okay, defenselessness is strength. It testifies to the recognition of the Christ, of the presence, of the lovingness, of the innocence in you. Now, perhaps you can recall that the text maintains that choice is always made between Christ's strength and your own ego weakness seen apart from that. In other words, seen apart from your own true loving presence. Defenselessness can never be attacked because it recognizes strength so great that attack is absolute folly, a silly game a child might play when he's become too sleepy to remember what he wants. Defensiveness is weakness. It proclaims that you have denied the Christ. That means you've denied your power, your reality, your innocence, and now have come to fear the Father's anger. What can save you now from your delusion of an angry God whose fearful image you believe you see at work in all of the evils of the world? What but illusions could defend you now when it's only illusions that you fight? We have made it all up because attention creates something. And if we're going to pay attention to what is not loving, then what we come up with is a hallucination, not reality. So we're not going to play these childish games today because our true purpose is to save the world. And we're not going to exchange for foolishness the endless joy our function offers us. We're not going to let our happiness slip by because a fragment of an insane, senseless dream, a dream of guilt and separation just happened to cross our minds. And we misunderstood. We mistook the figures in the dream for the Son of God. It's tiny little instant for eternity. So, okay, we're going to look past dreams today, and we're going to recognize that we need no defense because we are created unassailable. Nothing can happen to us. We have no thought or wish or dream in which attack has any meaning at all. So now we can't fear, for we have left all fearful thoughts behind. And in defenselessness, nothing to defend against, we stand secure serenely certain of our safety now, sure of salvation, sure we will fulfill our chosen purpose, our chosen purpose of love and forgiveness as our ministry, in other words, extending this principle in the world, extends its holy blessing. So now be still a moment and in silence think, how holy is your purpose? How secure you can rest? 
untouchable within the light of this purpose to be truly helpful. God's ministers, love's ministers, those who would love, have chosen that the truth be with them, and who can be holier than that? Who could be surer that happiness is fully guaranteed, and who could be more mightily protected? What defense could possibly be needed by the ones who are among the chosen ones of God, by his election, and their own as well? So now it's the function of God's ministers to help the brothers choose as they have done. God has elected all, but few have come to realize his will is their own. And if you fail to teach what you've learned, then salvation just waits and darkness seems to hold the world in grim imprisonment. Nor will you learn that the light has come to you and that your escape has been accomplished because you're not going to see the light until you offer it to all your brothers, not some, all. As they take it from your hands, so will you recognize it as your own. Only as you give do you receive. Only as you offer is it apparent that you have. So salvation can be thought of as a game that happy children play. This finding my way back home game was designed by one who loves his children and who would replace their fearful toys with joyous games, teaching them that the game of fear is gone. His game instructs in happiness because there's no loser. Everyone who plays must win, and in his winning is the gain to everyone assured. Because remember, what happens to us is what's happening to everyone. The game of fear is gladly laid aside when children come to see the benefits salvation brings when we can really understand what's happening here. You who have played, see, it keeps saying, this is just an artifice. This is just something we've made up. You who have played that you are lost to hope, abandoned by your father, left alone in terror in a fearful world, made mad by sin and guilt, be happy now. That game is over. And now a quiet time has come in which we just put away the toys of guilt and lock our quaint little childish thoughts of sin forever from the pure and holy minds of heaven's children and the Son of God, creation, all of creation. We pause just for one more moment to play our final happy game upon this earth, upon this seeming earth, And then we go to take our rightful place where truth abides and games are meaningless. And so the story is ended. Let this day bring the last chapter closer that everyone may learn the tale he reads of terrifying destiny, defeat of all his hopes, his pitiful defense against a vengeance he cannot escape is just his own deluded fantasy. God's ministers have come to waken him from the dark, dark dreams this story has evoked in his confused, his bewildered memory of this distorted tale. God's son, all of creation, can finally smile at last on learning none of this is true. So today we're going to practice in a form that we're going to maintain for quite a while. 
We're going to begin each day by giving our attention to this daily thought just as long as we can. Five minutes at the very least. Ten would be better. Fifteen better still. And as distraction ceases to arise to turn us from our purpose, we just find that half an hour is even too short a time. Nor will we willingly give less at night in gratitude and joy. Actually, what you will find is that this idea and all these ideas are just going to be in your mind a lot. You're not going to have to be told to have them there. So, each hour adds to our increasing peace as we remember to be faithful to the will. That's the choice for love that we share with God. And if we have to deal with the business of the world, no worry, when we can, we just turn our thoughts back to love. All right, we're going to quietly sit by and wait on him and listen to his voice and learn what he would have us do throughout the day, thanking him for all the gifts that have occurred already. So in time with practice, you just never cease to think of him and hear his loving voice guiding your footsteps into quiet ways where you will walk in true defenselessness. Well, you're going to know that heaven goes with you and you're not going to keep your mind away from him a moment, even though your time is spent in offering salvation to the world. Do you think he wouldn't make this possible when you are the one who are choosing to carry out his plan for the salvation of the world and yours? Of course, it's going to be made possible. So today our theme is defenselessness. We clothe ourselves in it as we prepare to meet the day. We rise up strong in Christ, strong in the truth of us. Just let our weakness disappear as we remember that his strength abides in us, as us. We're going to remind ourselves that he remains beside us. I like to think more, not so much beside us because that has a separated feeling, but just with us, as us through the day and never leaves our weakness unsupported by his strength. So we're going to call upon this strength each time we feel the threat of our defenses start to come and to undermine our certainty of purpose. We're just going to pause a moment as we're told, I'm here. You're safe. I'm here. Your practicing will now begin to take the earnestness of love to help you keep your mind from wandering from its intent. So don't be afraid or timid. There is no doubt that you will reach your final goal. The ministers of God, those who would love and not fear, can never fail because the love and the strength and the peace that shine from them to all their brothers come from him. And these are the gifts to you. Defenselessness is all you need. Listen to that again. Defenselessness is all you need to give to him in return. You lay aside but what was never real to look on Christ and see his sinlessness, to see his innocence. And this isn't just a mere, some sort of perceptual seeing. This is deep, amazing experience. It's a long lesson, but really important. So have a wonderful day. Bye for now.